0: That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
1: You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 24, Dr. Heather Shankman, on how you can prevent and reverse heart disease. When it's
2: dinner time. I got something you should try. It's crunchy, green, and yummy, and it's about to blow your mind. It's low on calories, and it looks like mini trees. When you're having dinner
0: with me, broccoli
1: Dr. Yami Cazorla-Lancaster, board certified pediatrician, certified food for life cooking and nutrition instructor, certified well coach, and passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, behavior change, and motivation so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you keep coming back as a regular listener. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Today, I have the privilege of having a very special guest, a friend of mine that I met many years ago, Dr. Heather Shankman who is an interventional cardiologist. She just opened her own practice in Tarzana, California. While she performs complex angioplasties to open up clogged coronary arteries, she prefers to help her patients reduce their risk of heart disease through not only medication, but also a healthy lifestyle, including a plant-based diet and regular exercise. Dr. Shankman has followed a plant-based diet since 2005, She is an avid athlete, having completed over 100 events of various distances, from sprint triathlons to Ironman distance triathlons, marathons and ultramarathons, and several hundred-mile century cycling events. Her new book is entitled The Vegan Heart Doctor's Guide to Reversing Heart Disease, Losing Weight, and Reclaiming Your Life. Thank you, Dr. Shankman, for joining us today on Veggie Doctor Radio. It's so good to talk to you. Thank you. So good to talk to you again as well. It's been a couple of months since I've seen you. Yes, and congratulations for becoming an entrepreneur and starting your own practice and also for your book that was just released. Thank you. So... I read your book and I want to say that I think it is a fabulous book. It is very comprehensive, yet at the same time, it's simple. And I think that it's something that is easy for people to just pick up and grab, especially if they don't know anything about a plant-based diet or how it can help prevent and reverse heart disease. And they can use it as a guide to why and how to get started. Good. Thank, thank you. I, I appreciate that. That's really how I wrote it. It was really, I wanted to put this into
2: language that people could understand. So not only would they understand what heart disease is, but why it's so important to not just work with your doctor and take your medicines, but also to le- live a good, healthy lifestyle, to exercise and eat healthy.
1: Mm-hmm. And I found your story so interesting because you started out eating a vegetarian diet. It seems like a couple of family members started eating vegetarian and then you switched to vegetarian diet when you were in college for ethical reasons. And it sounds like at the beginning, you were kind of a junk food vegetarian too, especially being in college, pizza, beer, all those kinds of things. But over time, you transitioned to a more whole foods plant-based diet for the health benefits. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Sure, absolutely. I went vegetarian when I was 16 years old. So I was a junior in high school, and my brother had been a vegetarian for three years before that. He had gone to school in fifth grade and was asked to dissect chicken wings, and these came from like a commercially prepared package of chicken wings that typically you would cook and eat. And my brother, as part of this science class and dissecting the chicken wing, came to the realization that this is chicken. I don't want to eat chicken anymore. My brother went vegetarian from then on out. And I was three years older than him. And I was a terrible big sister. And I was mean to him. And I used to make fun of him for being a vegetarian. But over time, I started to see things his way. And we he joined some of the animal rights organizations. And we got mail to our house. And information about how animals land on our plates. And at 16 years old, I just decided I don't want to eat any, any more animals. That's just not a nice thing to do. But I even though I wanted to be a doctor, I never really put together at that time that not eating animals and being a vegetarian could be a healthier way of living and eating. And I went away to college. And I remember being away from home for the first time and having the dorm um, dining hall and anything I wanted to eat, and I found myself in the trap of eating pizza and ice cream for dinner every night, and that certainly was not very healthy. It wasn't really until I got into my first year of medical school that I really started thinking about how my lifestyle could be healthier, that if I'm going to be preaching to my patients that they need to make good lifestyle choices to exercise and to eat healthy that I needed to do those things as well and it was at that time that I started eating better I started actually eating some vegetables and exercising regularly um, and about 13 years ago when I was doing my cardiology fellowship training I started thinking more about being vegan or cutting out dairy and Eggs. And part of that was motivated by what I learned about how animals go through horrible cruelty to produce dairy and to produce eggs, but also reading information from Dr. Dean Ornish and Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, who are both doctors who have produced research that shows that a whole food, plant based diet can actually prevent and reverse heart disease. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and I love the part of your story about how you did eat junk food because I like to point out to people that doctors are not perfect people and we love, you know, delicious food just like anybody else. But you had this motivation that you wanted to change your habits. Going back all those years, was it difficult? Was it difficult to change those habits or because you kind of took it one step at a time, was it kind of simple for your lifestyle?
2: I would say that Because I did things one step at a time, that made it a little bit easier. Um, Giving up the dairy and eggs and going vegan took me a year from thinking about it to actually doing it. And the silly thing is I kept thinking, I'm not going to be able to ever eat a chocolate brownie ever again. And I kept looking at it as deprivation when ultimately I really wasn't depriving myself of anything. I mean, there are vegan versions of just about everything from macaroni and cheese to chocolate chip cookies to chocolate brownies. That said, those aren't things that we should be eating every day. So I'd say that the hardest part for me was making that big leap from being a lacto-ovo-vegetarian to being a vegan. Everything else in terms of eating more vegetables and exercising, I took that all one step at a time, and it just
1: became part of who I was.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And you just slowly integrated integrated those habits. That's pretty Mm -hmm. cool. Um, And – one thing that was I found very interesting in your book is that you have been a heart patient before you ended up in the cath lab. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yes, absolutely. I do have that unique perspective and that I'm one of the few cardiologists who actually has been on the table in a cardiac catheterization laboratory. Now, I did not have coronary artery disease, which is the most common condition that I treat. I had a heart rhythm problem called supraventricular tachycardia, and that's a abnormal circuit, so to speak, within the heart that sometimes can cause the heart to race very fast. Um, I started noticing it while I was exercising, and it interfered with my ability to exercise. So... Ultimately, I underwent a procedure to cure myself, to be cured of this arrhythmia with an invasive procedure called an ablation, which involves catheters being placed from the vein in the leg up to the heart, finding where that abnormal heart rhythm comes from and and literally burning that abnormal pathway. Um, I had that procedure done in 2009, and I have had no heart rhythm problems since then.
1: Did you find it ironic that as an interventional cardiologist, you ended up in the position that many of your patients were in? I did find it a little bit ironic, absolutely.
2: But I think it gave me a a certain sensitivity and understanding of what my patients go through, just feeling what it's like to be on that table and lying there and being covered in a sterile drape and being vulnerable um, gave me a new empathy to what my patients go through.
1: Because you stay awake during the procedure, right?
2: Um, Well, during these procedures, we... Use something called conscious sedation. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't entirely out of it, so to speak, but I was given medications that made me very, very sleepy and comfortable. And I think I'd, you know, wake up a little bit um, here and there during the procedure. I mean, it felt like it was just a few minutes, but actually, my procedure was three hours long. Wow! I mean, that's how how good the sedation is and how comfortable I was during the procedure.
1: Well, it definitely gives you empathy because now you can say, I know exactly how it feels to lie on that table and be in the hands of somebody else. So very well, I'm very glad that it cured you of that issue because then you went on to do really great things athletically. In your book, you point out that heart attacks are not normal and that it is possible for people to say goodbye to heart disease forever. Why do you think, that we are so accepting of heart disease in our society right now and how can we start to change our standards that not everybody should, you know, be having heart attacks right and left?
2: I think that the reason we consider heart disease and heart attacks to be normal is because what we consider of our lifestyle to be normal. We consider it normal to eat processed foods, to eat diets that are heavy in animal products and sugar and oil and salt that are heavily processed, and that it's normal to not eat real whole foods like fruits and vegetables. Um, And because our view of what diet is normal is so skewed, I think it skewed our view of what's normal for our health as well. Because... um, coronary artery disease, um, which is the most common condition that I treat, is very much a condition that is due to poor lifestyle choices, um, specifically smoking, lack of exercise, stress, and definitely poor food choices.
1: And you discuss the plant-based diet in your book and how it is, can be a huge part of how somebody can prevent and reverse their heart disease you point out the studies that we know and these have been around for decades now that we know that there is evidence that eating a plant-based diet can reverse heart disease but does it have to be all or nothing
2: it definitely doesn't have to be all or nothing Anybody who can make any improvements in their lifestyle, in their food choices and how much they move, um, can definitely get benefit. So I have patients who come to me who eat no fruits and vegetables, who get all of their meals from restaurants, and I may set as simple a goal as, I want you to eat one fruit and one vegetable every day. And even something as small as that, that small of a change, can make a difference. Ideally, I'm going to take that person and help them to continue to make positive choices to their diet. But even one small change to start can impact health.
1: Are there some patients that you sit them down and you talk to them and you say, you know, you really could benefit from an all-out trial to go plant-based?
2: I have that conversation frequently. And some patients are very willing to go that route. And of my patients who've gone fully plant-based, I have seen such amazing results. I have seen weight loss. I've seen patients come off of blood pressure medications. I've had patients reverse their diabetes. Um, And of all of my patients who have adopted a whole food plant-based diet, I haven't seen any of them have another heart attack, need another stent, or need any type of surgery on their heart. It's it's remarkable what a plant-based diet can do.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. But it sounds like you could put yourself right out of business doing that, Dr. Shankman. I probably could, um,
2: yeah. But I, I, I care about my patients, so I'm going to encourage them to make the right choices.
1: That's wonderful. Okay, talk to me about oil. You know, this comes up a lot in the whole foods, plant based community. There's differing opinions. What is your opinion on oil, and what is your opinion on high fat whole foods like nuts, avocado, and coconut, specifically for heart disease patients? Okay,
2: great. Well, I'm going to start by answering your question about the general population. Um, I think that oil is a processed product. It is the fat condensed from something. So olive oil comes from olives. Um, And if you really wanted the nutrition that you get from olive oil, theoretically, you would perhaps eat olives instead. Um, It's something that I encourage everyone to minimize in their diet, Um, and when it comes to whole foods that are high in fat, like avocados and nuts and seeds, in general, those are things that should be part of most people's diets. Um, They do contain nutrients, and they do contain what we would consider to be healthier fats, but these are things that should not be consumed in large quantities because they are very high and very dense in calories. Mm-hmm. Um when it comes to people who do have coronary artery disease, who have plaque within the arteries of their heart um, or of the other arteries of their body, or people who have had heart attacks or strokes, I think it is actually very reasonable to follow a diet that is without oil and without these more calorie-dense um foods like avocados, nuts, and seeds. And the reason I make that suggestion is that because Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn did do a study where he put patients who had very, very severe disease of the arteries of their heart, he put them on a diet that was whole food, plant-based, and did not include oil, no nuts, no seeds, no avocados. And these patients had incredible results, uh, very, very, low risk of having any further heart-related events, and um, that diet actually prolonged a number of their lives. So for my patients with, with coronary artery disease, I will encourage them to read Dr. Esselstyn's book about how he was able to achieve this, and I think it's a, a very reasonable and very potent type of diet for somebody who does have disease of the arteries. Nice.
1: One of my favorite quotes from your book is there is no substitute for your well-being. Taking good care of yourself is critical and only you can decide to be proactive about your health. And I I love that. I love putting the power back in the lap of the patient. Do you think that patients nowadays depend too much on doctors to guide them on a path of health and wellness?
2: I think So I think a lot of patients will walk in the office, they'll have no idea what medications they're taking, they'll have no idea about what's going on with their health, and they sit down in my office like, okay, here I am, cure me. Um, But that's not how you're going to get healthy. If you want to be as healthy as you can be, you need to be proactive, you need to take initiative, to know about what your, your condition is, to make the right choices, to take your medications, to eat the right foods and to exercise. So I think it is so critical that if you want to be healthy, you have to be a proactive player in your own health.
1: Mm-hmm. And to also tune in and know that there's a lot of similarities with humans, but there's also a lot of individual differences. So each person can use their intuition, can try to tune into their own body and say what works for me, what doesn't, and not depend on some book or other person to tell them what they should do for their own body. They have to really try stuff out and feel things out. And sometimes it takes some trial and error and some time to figure those things out.
2: Right. Now I would agree wholeheartedly with that.
1: So speaking of patience. I love how in your book, you talk about what makes a good patient, what things you can do. So tell me, what characteristics does your dream patient have? (laughs) My dream patient (laughs) is somebody
2: who understands what their illness is, who has an understanding of why they are coming to see me and is motivated to make changes, is motivated to eat well and to exercise, knows what medications they're on, and asks questions. Some patients are afraid to ask questions of their doctors because they feel like they're annoying their doctor or their doctor doesn't have enough time. Me, as a doctor, if somebody has questions, I'm going to take the time to answer those questions, even if it means that their so-called 15-minute time slot, we, we go over that time because somebody who asks questions I know is knows enough to be able to ask those questions
1: and is invested in their own health. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And I definitely agree about the asking questions because otherwise we don't know what you need to know. We don't know what gaps you have in your knowledge or your understanding, and so if you don't give us feedback, we don't know where to help you. But it is, it's very gratifying to treat patients that come in and are highly motivated and are ready to change. They know, they, they take responsibility, and they're ready to move forward. Well, what about the opposite? What traits make for a difficult case? The traits
2: that make for a more challenging case is somebody who doesn't come to the office prepared, um, who doesn't have their list of medications, who doesn't know what's going on with their health. I'll have people who come to me for an initial consultation and they'll say, well, my doctor sent me here. And I say, well, why did your doctor send you to a cardiologist? I don't know. My doctor sent me. Um, I would say that it's patients who just nod their head when I when I speak with them, who just say "aha, aha, aha," and don't seem to want to listen, um, who don't ask questions, um, and a person who isn't motivated who feels like they're they're doomed i i see a lot of patients who say well my dad had a heart attack at 50 so i'm gonna have a heart attack at 50 and no that's not true you can do things so that you don't have to follow the fate of somebody in your family who's had bad things happen to them
1: Mm -hmm. are there patients that you can tell from the outset that are resistant or fearful of change and how do you approach that
2: I can definitely tell just based on how prepared somebody is for the appointment and kind of how much they they bring with them or know if their medications or um, I, I can I can kind of tell who's not going to be most motivated. And sometimes with a little bit of knowledge, somebody can be empowered, I think if somebody understands that by making the right choices, you can be a much healthier person, I think that's going to motivate them to be a better patient, to listen to what the doctor has to say.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. In your book, you also discuss other lifestyle changes and you know things that not just the diet because we know that diet's important but then there's other things that can contribute to how we feel how much joy we feel in our lives and you call this wholehearted living you recommend spending time in nature adequate sleep building strong relationships creating a healthy work-life balance finding a spiritual outlet that breaking negative thought patterns of these which one do you think is the hardest for people to implement Huh, that's a great question. I think breaking out of negative
2: thought patterns is, is difficult. It's very easy to feel resigned to your fate, and some there's a lot of people who are depressed, who are anxious, who may need more treatment of these types of issues in order to be empowered to take control of their health. So if somebody comes to me and they you know, they're visibly just very depressed or have anxiety or other issues, you know, I'm going to say, you know, there's a lot of things that I want you to do to improve your health, but right now I don't think you're in the mindset of that. And I really want you to be treated for, for your mental health issues.
1: mm mm-hmm. Negative thought patterns are so pervasive, and that's what holds a lot of people back. You know, I mean, I think we all at some point suffer from it, right? Um, And some of us in more parts of our lives than others, but that's a a really big deal to try to think about things differently. And you kind of mentioned this too before, but when patients come to you and they're resigned to a fate and they say, okay, everybody in my family, I have bad genes, how do you convince them that genetics is just a small part of their health destiny?
2: Well, that certainly involves a, a a conversation because, yes, genetics do increase your risk of having heart disease, but one thing that family members often have in common is that they have the same environments, they have the same lifestyle patterns, the same eating habits, the same exercise habits, and I think that that's a big contributor to why families may have more heart disease than other families do
0: Mm -hmm.
1: absolutely and I think once people understand that then they can start to put two and two together and be like okay I don't have some ticking time bomb inside of me just because I'm me but I can start to make choices that directly influence my future. And I have control over that. And people know that they have control. And it's not just this thing inside them that's just gonna burst at any second, you know? Right, absolutely. I think one thing that's so exciting about you is that you are an athlete. And like I had mentioned in the bio, you've done all kinds of different events. What is your current fist, a fitness routine? And are you training for anything right now? Well,
2: I have in the past done a lot of events. I've done two full Ironman distance triathlons and that would be a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, followed by a 26.2 mile run all on the same day. Um, <laughs> and I've done all sorts of endurance events. I've done half Ironman distance triathlons. I've done century bike rides. Um, I've done swim meets right now. I've toned down my, routine. I exercise about five or six days a week, and I exercise first thing in the morning before I go to work. Um, for me, I'm taking a little break from from being competitive because I think every so often we need we need a break and to change our routine, but also I am starting my own cardiology
1: practice, so that has required
2: a lot of my time as well.
1: Absolutely. When you start your own practice, that really does require not just time, but mental energy. So Absolutely. And I know you know that from experience as well yes. with your own practice. And I promise it will settle down. So you will get to a point where you feel like you can train for something. Do you have any wild fantasies about some event that you'd like to complete? Is there something on there that you're like, man, maybe someday? <laughs> um,
2: you know, I think I've got, Pretty much everything crossed off my bucket list. I've always thought about you know, maybe one day qualifying for the Boston Marathon. I, I'm, I've been a reasonably good runner, but I certainly haven't ever run a marathon in a time that would qualify me for the the big marathon, Boston. So maybe one day that might be something I aim for, but pretty much everything else I've, I've crossed off my bucket list.
1: That is so cool. I love hearing that. That's great. What habit are you most proud of? How did you achieve it and how do you maintain it?
2: I think my habit of healthy eating, I think, is something that I'm, I'm very proud of because I haven't always eaten healthy. I was a junk food kid, um, ate a lot of fast food, even in in college and even in Part of my medical school, but over time, I've, I've adapted my diet so that I'm, health, I'm happier eating healthier. I'm happier eating a big, big salad with good fresh veggies and a, a good dressing and some, some beans or some tofu. So I'm, I'm very proud of that, and I'm, I'm proud that if I'm walking through the grocery store and I'm shopping, and if I happen to run across one of my patients, I'm not going to be embarrassed by what's in my shopping cart. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that happens to me a lot too. I get so many comments about my shopping cart. People are like, uh, "Are you going to eat all that?" I mean, it's like full of fruits and veggies, and I'm like, "Yep." So it's, it's yeah, been- absolutely.
2: I you know I go to Costco and I, I I shop there for a lot of my produce because they actually have organic produce. So I'll I'll buy a lot of my stuff there, and I'll get like my big. Bag of Coaches oats and some sparkling water, and I'll come through the you know, the checkout. And I'd say every other time I I check out at Costco, I would get somebody who makes a comment like, "Oh wow, that's really healthy stuff. Are you going to eat eat that?"
1: It's like, "Well, of course I am." Yeah, that's exactly what happens to me. Is at Costco. I go to Costco almost every week, and I agree. I love their produce. I love all of the different plant based products that make it convenient to eat this way. And it happens to me almost every time I go, but I'm shopping for four people too. So I probably have like, you know, four times as much as you do. So it really does look a bit ridiculous with how much fruits and veggies and I'm not selling it to anybody. We're eating it. So, but, sure. you know, but going back to your, to your past that you felt like, you know, you're a junk food kid and went through your period of time is, do you have any advice for people that, they feel like, okay, well, I've always eaten junk food. This is the way I'm always going to be. And they feel that they can't change. What tips do you have for those types of people on their path to health and wellness? I would start by just just taking an
2: approach that it's not deprivation. Don't feel like you're going to deprive yourself of all of these things that you can't eat. Start by introducing in things that you want to include rather than just excluding. So start by kind of crowding out some of those less healthy foods that are in your diet. I think that's, that's a good initial approach. And then as as time goes on, you know, maybe see how you can cut back and eliminate some of these, these things that aren't quite as healthy.
1: Mm -hmm. And then at that point it might make it easier because you've already noticed how it makes you feel. But I agree. I I recommend that too. I say, don't focus on what you're not eating. Focus on what you want to eat more of. And I think that just makes it happier too. You're like, Ooh, I get to eat more of something. And (laughs) you know, fruits and veggies are just so pretty. Once you start really looking at the colors and the varieties, you can make it really um, a positive experience. And I was the same too, uh, Dr. Shankman. When I was a kid, I pretty much ate a bunch of cereal with, you know, whole milk and frozen burritos and a lot of ice cream and junk food. So Mm -hmm. if I'm a testament that anybody can change, because now I often eat vegetables for breakfast and I love it. (laughs) What motivates you to do the work that you do?
2: What motivates me to do what I do as a cardiologist is that I can save lives. And I can do that in two ways. One is through my skill in performing procedures. If somebody is having a massive heart attack, I can take them to the cardiac catheterization laboratory, which is our procedure room, and I can open up a blocked artery and literally save a life. But I can also help to save a life on the front end before something like that happens, because if I can guide my patients who are at risk to make better choices and get them on the right medications, if they do need medications, I can save their life and prevent them from having a heart attack or a stroke in the first place.
1: Mm -hmm. That's amazing work and thank you for doing that. For a heart disease patient that's out there and they're wondering where to start besides reading your fabulous book, what would you suggest as far as informing themselves and starting on the path to potentially reversing their heart disease?
2: Well, I think that making better Food choices and starting an exercise program, um, even just by walking, are the right things to do. But I think getting an understanding of what their heart health issues are by going to the doctor and, and at your doctor's appointment asking questions, you know, doctor, what condition do I have? And being knowledgeable about that learning about their health condition, because knowledge is power. If you know what you're dealing with, the better you can do to make good choices and the better motivation you will have.
1: Mm -hmm. And then you never know, they could reverse it and they can no longer be one of these chronic heart disease patients. And it could just really change their lives and the lives of their family who they will influence. So that's wonderful. At your new office in Tarzana, you are starting a new program soon called Heart U. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. One of the
2: things that I wanted to do in my own practice is I wanted to empower my patients to have more knowledge about their health. And so I organized um, a series of, of talks in a small group setting. It's going to be in the, the lobby of my office, so no more than 15 people, and I'm going to give a couple of talks myself, one on plant-based diet um, for heart health, another on blood pressure treatment, but I've also reached out to some people I know. For example, there's my my friend Lori Manby. Um, She was 210 pounds, and she is a vegan who... Was weighed that much and she finally got control of her eating she had binge eating disorder and she went on Weight Watchers and lost 80 pounds and has maintained that weight loss so she's somebody who I'm going to bring in to talk to people about weight loss because she's somebody who's definitely been through a successful transformation and has maintained her weight loss um I'm going to bring in Connor Logan, who is an acupuncturist, who has taught me quite a bit about how acupuncture and meditation can be so beneficial for heart disease. Um, Matt Rosigno, who is a nutritionist, he's going to come and talk about some of the nuts and bolts about transitioning to a plant-based diet, what kind of pitfalls people might have. Um, I'm bringing in my friend Jessie Duke. She is fairly young but incredibly well-spoken and she had Crohn's disease and adopted a plant-based diet and really reversed her Crohn's disease but she's become such a passionate advocate for for plant-based nutrition and health and she's going to help to teach people how to to start to organize your pantry and what kind of staples you need for a plant-based diet and how to approach a trip to the grocery store. Another session that I'm really excited about is I'm going to actually bring in a couple of my patients who have really been success stories who are on plant-based diets, and I'm going to bring them in and have them talk about their stories and about how they've been successful in adopting a plant-based diet and what kind of challenges they've had. Because I tell my patients all day long about the benefits of a plant-based diet but I think a lot of them they look at me and they know that I, you know, I I haven't been through what they've been through but to for them to be able to hear it from somebody who has had similar issues who's successfully been following a plant-based diet I think can be so powerful for people who want to change to help
1: them to make those changes wow that sounds like a great program when does it start It is going to be starting during the
2: second to last week of March. So the first session is going to be
1: on Monday, March 19th. Okay, great. And for those that can't get in on the first session, do you think that you'll offer it again?
2: Well, it's going to be eight sessions. And I I think I do want to continue to offer – Offer programs like this. This is the first time I'm doing it, and I want to kind of see what, what kind of feedback I get, but I'm really excited about, about this program.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and I- if anybody wants to sign up for it, you can go to my website, www.drheathershankman.com. That's D R H E A T H E R S H E N K M A N.com. And there will be a link that says Heart You and Perfect.
1: click on that and you
2: can register
1: and I'll put it in the show notes and I'll put it on um, a link when I uh, post the podcast episode offering things like this. I think it is very needed. It's, it's one of those things that goes the extra mile. Was this one of the reasons that you decided to start your own practice is so that you can do things like this?
2: It is. Yes. Um, my previous practice setting, I worked for a managed care organization. I worked with with good doctors who were smart, and and I enjoyed working with them. But what I really wanted to do in my own practice setting was to, you know, really be able to focus on providing my own brand of cardiology, which is kind of a more holistic and and preventive type of brand.
1: Mm-hmm. And you are accepting new patients, and how is that going with uh, new patient signups? You know, it's actually
2: going pretty well. I think when starting a new endeavor like this, you, know, you don't know who's going to be you know, finding you, but I'm actually su- pleasantly surprised. I've been seeing a lot of new patients. A lot of my old patients have continued to follow up with me in my new location. It's a few miles from where my previous office
1: was, but things are going really well so far. And you accept most traditional insurances? Yes, I do. Awesome. So people can go to your website, drheathershankman.com and find out more about your practice as well. How else can listeners connect with you?
2: Well, you can connect with me um, via Twitter. My Twitter handle is at veganheartdoc. Um, I also am on, um, on Facebook as well. And um, my page. Oh. Um, Dr. Heather Shankman, it's www.facebook.com slash Heather Shankman M D. And you know, I post various things up there about what's going on in my practice and about um, you know what types of things I find interesting going on in the world of cardiology.
1: That's great. Well, Dr. Shankman, it has been a pleasure talking to you today, and thank you so much for giving us this wonderful information that can help a lot of people, and thank you for taking the time and the dedication to start your own practice, because as a fellow private practice owner, I know how difficult it is, and I know how much work you put into it, how much love and energy you put into it. So thank you for taking that extra step to provide the care that you feel is best for patients. Great, yummy. And thanks so much for having me. Well, Heather, have a plantastic day. You too. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rocket surgeons music. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at Facebook.com forward slash VeggieFitKids or you can email me at veggie doctor V-E-G-G-I-E-D-O-C-T-O-R at VeggieFitKids.com. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a fantastic day. We're having broccoli. Achoo.